Yo, thanks for joining us. You're listening to another episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. This is a weekly podcast where we, two guys who may or may not secretly be Batman and Robin, talk about movie, TV, music, or anything we think you guys might like to listen to. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at PressPlayAR. That's PressPlayAR on Instagram. Episode 33 is packed with some cool updates on movies and music. We'll also review the movie The Killing of the Sacred Deer. Riz will let you know about the DVDs and music that are available now. We'll play Six Degrees of Separation and stay tuned for our Fact of the Week. But first, quick news. So if you're like us who want to be somewhere else that's not our house, like, let's say, the movie theater, well, we're shit out of luck. AMC is still not considering reopening for business until the company knows that studios in Hollywood plan to release major blockbuster films. America's looking at a mid-July for theaters to open up. What do you think about that? Um, it's not unexpected, uh, but it's it's still it's still pre- pretty it's still a bummer. So if scheduling trajectory still stays in place, the next quote-unquote big blockbuster movie is Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which is going to be released July 17th, which kind of matches the mid-July opening. Also, Mulan is released on July 24th. And uh, Wonder Woman 84 is now scheduled for August 14th. Uh, Crossing our fingers, hopefully... uh, there won't be any more delays and we'll get to we'll get to see these movies at the end and is that the end of the summer or midsummer? I don't even know what that's summer our is midsummer. Anymore. I wanna say July and August is is midsummer. Summer isn't a thing if you're not a kid anymore, you know. Or if like you live in the south or in Florida. Yeah. So anyways, would you consider uh going back to the movies if they take proper precaution? Oh yeah, of course. I mean if I have to wear a face mask, I don't know, because that, that shit gets suffocating, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, good social distancing, as long as there's six seats in between everyone, or three to three seats. I would say each seat's about two feet long. It's funny that we're talking about this, because I read this article that in Oklahoma, there's this privately owned cinema called Circle Cinema. It's in Tulsa, and it might open in late May instead of July. The owner, Clark Wine, says that he and his staff is pretty stoked at the idea of opening the privately owned cinema, but including space seating, contactless butter dispensary, (laughs) (laughs) masks and gloves worn by all staffs, and all theater seats must be sanitized between sessions. So if big theater company like AMC takes these precautions, if not even more, uh, would you consider going like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I would even consider getting popcorn just to check out that contactless It'll be like butter a sensor. dispensary. It'll be like a sensor. Everything is now should be sensor. Opening the door, opening the window, opening the car door, uh, butter dispensers for yeah. the, the movie I would, theaters. I would hope that that the big studios give these movie theaters like a discount uh, as far as you know getting the rights to show their movies because... They already pay so much money to get their these movies, you know, in their theater. They basically generally don't even make any money off of it. They make mm-hmm, all the money mm-hmm. off of concessions. Yeah. So 
if there are less people there and they're paying the same amount as they were before, it doesn't make as much sense because, you know, they aren't going to make any money. Oh, no, not at all. But um, on that subject, uh, they did announce that the new Scooby-Doo movie is going to uh, is going to be go go to straight to video on demand. Oh, okay. So I I don't know about paying twenty dollars for that uh, because you can you wait know. three months and rent it exactly three ninety nine. It right. doesn't make sense. Well, they need to figure something. They're they're made. I think like the recent movies that are going in really fast, or the ones that are going straight to video on demand. Their thought process is that people generally pay more than ten dollars per ticket. Anyways, you and I don't because we go early in the morning. Yeah, it's because we're cheap asses. But generally, (laughs) people pay ten dollars. So a family of five sitting down to watch a you know the brand new Scooby movie which was originally going to be theatrically released. Yeah. You know, that's you know $4 a person. It's not that bad. Well, how about this? I just thought of this. What if theaters or studios stream it on television at certain times like the movie theater so everyone will be watching that movie instead of renting it and then charge regular the $10 or maybe no discount like five dollars to watch the movie like for example scooby-doo tomorrow 11 a.m 3 30 p.m 6 p.m 8 p.m and everyone puts like a password or something and you log on i mean you have to log on with a password to 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 talk to zoom isn't that just streaming though yeah yeah but (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i think that's the studio's decision whether they can stream a movie not the movie theaters though or yeah or give it to like netflix or a streaming service and have them do that time frame yeah um i don't know that i think that's such so much better because twenty dollars yeah i can wait i'm not that into scooby-doo but uh i'm looking forward to seeing it anyways so, in Marvel Cinematic Universe news, some major projects ha- have new release dates. Sony Pictures has released some updates on your upcoming favorite Marvel movies. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, mm-hmm. was moved from October 2020 to June 25th, 2021. That's actually not as bad as I thought it was. I can wait that long. Tom Holland's third Spider-Man movie was set for July 16, 2021, and it was moved to November 5th, 2021. Also not too bad. And if that November date does sound familiar to you guys, that's because it was the original date of Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness movie, which has also been pushed to March 2022. The anticipated sequel to Enter the Spider-Verse was also pushed back six months from April 8th, 2022 to October 7th, 2022. So, wow. Yeah. Summer, movie summer 2020 is like complete, like, void. I know. Everything is like so surreal in in like this movie industry. It makes you really think like how production from the beginning to the end works. So speaking of uh, you know movie pushbacks, Paramount Pictures also released some changes of dates yep. for their films. 
uh, Mission Impossible 7 has been pushed from July 23rd, 2021 to November 19th, 2021. Uh, the eighth installment of Mission Impossible, which is being filmed back-to-back with 7, has been pushed from August 5th, 2022 to November 4th, 2022. Okay. Chris Pratt's uh, new movie, The Tomorrow War, will release July 23rd, 2021. The Dungeons and Dragons movie. They're doing another Dungeons and Dragons movie? Yeah. I think, no, I think that's the the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Wasn't there one? Like in the 80s? 90s. Or in the 90s? Starring Justin Wallen from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Sounds familiar. Uh, Has been delayed six months. And the horror thriller Spell has been pushed from the schedule completely. I looked up Spell on IMBD, but it wasn't there at all. So I don't know what was it going to be about or if it was something up my alley. Yeah, probably up my alley. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted on other um, pushbacks, and you know, I, I, I shed a tear every time I was, I was kind of hoping Venom wouldn't get pushed back, um, and it, and for a long time it wasn't. I thought it was still going to open. Yeah. In, in what was it October? October they're, this year. They're so killing killing Michelle Williams off. I know. I bet like they had this plan with Michelle Williams and her character and Wayne, and then the more writers got to it, the more they developed Carnage into the sequel. It's it's such a played <sighs> out like thing to do where you know, the only way to to really get to the hero is to kill his love. Yeah. And it's it's played out, and you know to have an amazing actress like that on in your movie, you know, and to kill her off in the first five minutes, which which is what I'm envisioning. What do I know? Maybe I'm completely <laughs> wrong, and maybe she'll be around the whole thing, or maybe she'll like Hopefully. go in a coma, and like he'll think she's dead, and then he'll leave town and join Spider-Man in New York. Well, here's and the then thing. she'll become She Venom. Here's the thing. Rumors are that the spinoff TV show uh, Silver and Black is hitting Disney+. Plus, So maybe She-Venom can make a reprise in that in that film or in that TV show. I'm sorry. Silver. Say that again. Silver and Silver and Black. It's with Silver Sable and Black Cat. No it's kidding. Like, uh, part of like uh, Spider-Man's female rogue gallery. All right, so that's rumored to be on Disney+. Plus. There was a while ago that Eliza Dushki was uh, in talks or running for Black Cat. Did you know that uh, she auditioned for Mary Jane in the original Spider-Man films? For real? The, 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 um, uh, the extras on Spider-Man... Uh, they have screen tests with Toby Toby Maguire, and she's Mary Jane in the screen test. <laughs> oh no way! Yeah, no idea. Yeah, she would have been amazing. It's uh, um, you know, but Christian Dunst did an amazing job as well. So I love her. I love both of them. Me too. Me too. Um, so the coronavirus and us. How are you coping? Um. I now know how a killer whale feels inside a aquarium, inside oh, their tank. Swimming around in circles. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. Um, I don't want to be too uh, 
over dramatic po- or over dramatic or political but i'm really on defense of like opening certain parts of of parks and things because we need to go out i know i see it from both sides as well like i we we definitely need to go out and and exercise and something. clear our thoughts meditate you know um but you also see it from the other side where stupid people don't listen and exactly. they'll just get together and yes. and they're it's just, they're they're going to be the ones that end up shutting it down again i hope not but yeah. It's like it's like driving. Like you have to drive for the other people. You're yeah. a good driver. You can be a fantastic driver. And in this case, it's it's like going out in public. You can take all the the cautionary per, precaution that you can you can take or you can do. But it's always that one douchebag or that one Karen that fucks it up for everyone. You know, if if there's beaches or patrols in beaches. You know, stopping us because we've been down to Sunny Isles a few times, and there's, you know, these these people on um the the um, beach ATVs. motor ATVs, yeah, like patrolling, making sure nobody crosses over. Um, so I mean, if they're doing that, they can all they could they could be there making sure people aren't congregating. You know, yeah. Um, well, uh, one thing, uh, basically, when the gym closed. I'm like, how long could this possibly be? You know what I mean? And I think I went a week without going to the gym or working out. And the following Thursday, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, this could go on for months. And I'm going to end up like gaining 30 pounds, Corona, Corona pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I have like, like planter or whatever in my feet and I'm yeah. not a big runner, but I'm like. I'm going to have to, like, start running. So I've been running. Uh, How's that going for you? I'm getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly. I'm slow as hell. You know, I go my pace, but I'll I'll go, you know, straight for 25 to 30 minutes, depending on on how hot hot it is. You know what I mean? I can go 30 easily if the sun isn't killing me. Um, but usually I stop around 25 minutes during during my my lunch break from work. I'll just go out and go out and run, and you know I'm 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 starting to see results. I I might you know come out of this a little lighter. Yeah, I mean, I see them too. <laughs> yeah, and then we started the um, 100 push up a day challenge for 30 days. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we skipped after. <laughs> we did two days and we skipped yesterday. Or we did we did half 20 or 40. We did yesterday. 40. Yeah. Um, but we're back on it and, you know, we'll we'll let you know how that goes. Uh I also jogged too. Um, yeah. Well, you you have um you're you're a lot faster than me, and we used to try to jog together, and it would be one or two, one of two things. I would hold you back a lot, or I would try to keep up with you, and I would die. Die, basically. You know. Yeah. So I'm like, you do your thing, go ahead of me, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go as slow as hell, <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm doing it, and I'm, I'm proud of myself, and there is a little bit, lot of pain, um, but I'm fighting through the pain. I've upped my. My mileage from three to four miles a day. Um, if any runners are out there and want to give us advice, uh, send us an email at gopressplay2 at gmail.com. 
That's gopresspleythenumber2 at gmail.com. And tell us uh, some advice on how to build endurance and how to go further, how to burn calories. We've been also doing squats and lunges. Um, I've uh, done a bunch around the house. Uh, I cleaned our back porch. I hung some some portraits and, and rearranged some furnitures. And, and it's kind of like making me like get to know my house more yeah get to know our house more well i mean because we probably if you know not counting sleeping spend more time at work you know what i mean and then on the weekends when it was pre-coronavirus it was either meet up with our friends meet up with our family members going to the movies so it's I mean, our dogs are loving it, you know? <laughs> sometimes. I sometimes think they're like, okay, you need to, like, go away. Um, but, yeah, we're, try- <laughs> we're trying to keep busy. We've been watching Shit's Creek, which is fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. Catherine O'Hara. Is amazing. Has, has, has she been, like, nominated or won an Emmy for this role? Because she, she plays this affected... Formerly rich person who talks with just just a weird accent. Like she, you know, like Madonna's affected. Yes. And and she, it's hard to explain. And all of them, you know, they grab all their clothes when they were being kicked out of their house or whatever. So they're they're all walking around this shitty town with like thousand dollar. Like whole couture. It's crazy. Ready to wear outfits. Like. But every single thing, like every single She's thing a about genius, it, genius, and the writers I, are amazing. Yeah, no, it, they aren't going for the obvious BS. I'm, I'm liking the storylines that they're going, they're going with. I like, I'm liking how one by one, each character is assimilating into the town and and, and getting either getting a job or going back to school, going back to school, which is a little. I don't, I don't think a thirty-something-year-old woman would be allowed in a high school to finish out her degree or her you know she she would small town yeah well she can she can do that shit they might not have like after school program their governor is probably republican and they're not giving funds for education so they're like look let's fit this 30 year old chick somewhere in a classroom enough for her to get credit bada bing bada boom it's yeah it's such a great show oh my god the uh, the the Levy daughter, she plays the waitress. Like she's uh, the the daughter and brother uh, and sister of Eugene the creator, Levy. Eugene and Dave. Um, I don't know his name. The the brother the brother the brother sister. Yes, I think they know. <laughs> so yeah, she she in real life, but she plays Twyla the the waitress, and she was doing like a murder mystery. Um, party <laughs> and Moira is like I, we. I think we've been to something like that, but it was it was a. Uh... She goes, oh, me and my husband. What's his name? Phil. Uh, Johnny. Or me and, and Johnny went to an eye. Eyes, Eyes wide, wide shut, shut party. party. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? It was kind of the same thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, she's and then when she had to ask for for the review to be taken down, she comes up with like this Scottish accent. 
that, that like it wasn't really necessary. She's brilliant. Or when they went for the car and she did a a, a British that's hackney. That, yes, that's the one. A British hackney accent. Oh my god! I can't with that show. Uh, we are also. Well, we've been watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist yes. as well, mm-hmm. um, which I'm enjoying a lot. And the season finale is next week. I didn't really like this this last episode. I, I think because they're setting up the season finale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it smells like uh, that to me, too. I'm assuming it's going to be very emotional. The father's probably going to pass away. Um, I also watched uh, Council of Dads, which I honestly wasn't planning on checking out. But... Uh, the actor from Angel, um, J. August Richards, uh, decided who's on Council of Dads came out of the freaking closet. Yay! Uh, and one of us, one of us. I gotta say, I'm pretty good with my gaydar. Um, and the thing is, I guess I don't know if it was a setup, but back when he was on Angel, he was dating the the actress from Felicity, uh, Tangi Tangi Miller, I believe mm-hmm. her name is, mm-hmm. and I, it never crossed my mind. And later on, you know, following him on Instagram, I kind of thought maybe, but then I'm like, no, he dated what's her name from Felicity. Yeah. Uh, so I was actually surprised with that one. So I'm like, you know what? He came out because his character is gay on on the show. He came out for this role, yeah. Um, specifically, really nice. um, so I decided to check it out, and it's. I'm not really into into drama dramas Family like this drama. dramedies. I guess I wouldn't um, even consider this dramedy. It had it had it had moments. Dead to me is dramedy. Yeah. Dramas, family dramas, <laughs> uh, but it had it. It had its moments, and it did reel reel you in. I knew that 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 Tom Everett Scott obviously was going to die in in the episode mm-hmm. because they were setting up. Excuse me, I apologize. They're setting up the council of dads. You know the the men that he had his wife choose to um, help her out with the kids once he passed away because he had cancer. Yeah. Um. But I, I, there were a few odd choices they did with the storyline, you know, with his daughter, his older daughter, which I didn't really like. But I, I kind of liked it. Um, I'm gonna check out the second episode. Uh, uh, for me, I found some scenes to be a bit cringeworthy. <laughs> oh, there was there was a lot of cringe, but it so I'm like Ugh. it was emotional and and it 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 like I cried a little bit at the end. I mean, I knew the you guy was gonna say. die, but it was very sad. And there was a an an interesting twist uh, with the little son, yeah, where you know we the the little son is named JJ, and uh, after the father dies at the funeral. Um, he comes out holding, you know, his grandmother's hand, and he's wearing a dress. And the mother's like, "What are you doing? Why are you wearing that?" And and he goes, "Well, Grandma said that for today I should wear a dress." And the mom you know, completely flipped. The they got fuck really out. upset, and we, you know, that's when the audience, you know, found out that it was a transgendered boy. Yeah. Um. And the of course the grandmother it makes how could a how could a child choose something like this such such a classic conservative remark. Um, 
so that I think that's an important storyline to have on on this show. I in agree. The, in the in in this day and age, where I just read the other day that that two transgendered women were burned alive in a oh car God. in Puerto Rico, uh, which is wrong with you, Puerto Rico? Hurts me to you know just let people be just let people be you don't have to agree with them you don't just walk the other fucking way you know if i see a goddamn if i see someone in a fucking maga hat i ain't gonna start yelling at you i'll roll my fucking eyes but i'll walk the other fucking fucking way i mean if i see a bunch of cars pulling up to my neighbor's yard black robes humming some demonic chants they go into the house Nothing happens for like three hours. Then they leave and they all disperse. I don't care. It's not affecting me. They're living their own life, and I think everyone should follow that that mental eth- ethics that people should live. Let people live their own life. If they're not harming anyone or themselves, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Um, but yeah, there there was that. I'm sorry. Sorry to go off on that tangent, but um. We are going to go for a quick break, and we're going to return with our review for The Killing of the Sacred Deer, which was suggested by uh, our friend Scott. Be back in a jiffy. And we're back. Uh, So one of our listeners uh, emailed us with, a suggestion. He's a huge Fiona Apple fan, but he had a suggestion for a a movie for us to watch. And he said, don't read any spoilers. Just watch it. And we're like, okay. And, and he also said, this one stayed with him for a few days. Or, and I'm like, okay. I, I had no idea what we were getting into. The Killing of the Sacred Deer is the title of the movie. It was originally released November 3rd, 2017, directed by Yorgos Lathimos, who directed The Lobster and The Favorite. The yep. Favorite is that, yeah. the movie with Emma, um, Stone. Emma Stone and the, uh, that, that lady. That woman, she won an Oscar for Olivia it. Olivia something. Yeah. And uh, her. <laughs> Yeah. And Rachel Weiss. Yes, Rachel Weiss. Yes, God, I love Rachel Weiss. Um, the movie stars Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, uh, Alicia Silverstone, Barry Cogan, Sonny Sulik, uh, that's Sonny Soljic, excuse me, Rafi Cassidy. Okay, so the synopsis is Stephen, played by Colin Farrell, is a charismatic surgeon. He's forced to make an unthinkable sacrifice after his life starts to fall apart when the behavior of a teenage boy he has taken under his wing turns sinister. I want to clarify again that we had no idea what this movie was about. We didn't even knew that it was on Netflix until about like three or four weeks after Scott sent us the email. Yeah. Uh, So we're like, yeah, there, Hey, Hey, there's the movie. Don't read anything. Don't read. Exactly. What did you think the movie was about before going into it? I had no idea. Well, the the only thing like that stuck out in my head was I thought it was going to take place in like a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like a family and something happens to the family in a, in the cabin in the woods. That's for some reason the killing of the sacred deer um made me think of a cabin. 
How about you? I I thought that it was going to be a well, it is a family drama, but something more um un, something more natural, nothing supernatural, nothing which I don't think this movie was supernatural. Uh but as soon as I saw the studio A24, I kind of already knew what this movie was. A Studio A24 are the people behind movies such as The Lighthouse, Lady Bird, oh, no um, Hereditary, Mid-90s, Midsommar, The Fellware, and It Comes at Night, including The Killing of the, uh, the Sacred I Deer. I did not know that. So I, I knew that it had to do with, like, family. Yeah. Some family deep struggle. Right. So, yeah, as we go over the review, we can discuss exactly what we were thinking because it slowly reveals itself. That's one thing about it. It reminded me a little of uh, After the Wedding in the storytelling yes, because yes. You, you, you're kind of like, wait, what the F is going on? What the F is going on? Wait, I don't understand this. Are we going to figure out what's going on? Okay, so it's basically uh, Colin Farrell plays uh, the surgeon uh, the opening, the the very opening is like an open heart, which I thought was really cool. FYI, that was a real heart. I believe during it. Surgery. I that believe was filmed. it. I absolutely believe it. I'm like, holy crap! Um, I thought it was a deer uh, heart. I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, so basically, he's he's a pretty well respected surgeon. Um. And he comes out of surgery and he asks his like his co co surgeon about like buying a watch. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and meets a kid and you're like, oh, this is his son. Or I was thinking this must be his son. And, he, you know, you kind of from their dialogue, you kind of understand that it's not his son. Um, and you're just wondering what the relationship is. You know, they meet at a at like a, a Chinese restaurant, and then they go off to like a shore to talk, and that's where he gave him yeah. gave him the watch. A watch. Um, and honestly, in my head, I was thinking that it was like a, a rent boy or something that he was secretly seeing on the side. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I thought. Immediately when I saw that, I thought it was a rent boy thing. I didn't think that it was his son. Um, for the for the way that they interacted with each other. Um, but yeah, that whole watch thing was pretty weird. Um, yeah, I have a theory scene. about I have a theory about that whole thing, which I'll I'll, I'll discuss after our, our review because this this movie stays with you and it makes you makes you think a lot so um, nicole kidman as as you said uh colin farrell Steve, uh steven uh is a respected uh doctor and so is his wife played by nicole kidman who is a nurse and she owns or runs her own clinic and they live in like this beautiful beautiful three-story mansion that is enclosed in and it's just opulence of just very comfortable living um right off the bat you see that um where they have two kids and they have two kids 
played by Sunny and uh, Rafi. Another FYI, all of the main family are all from another country except uh, Sunny, the boy. Okay. Bob. Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, after that introduction of him, um, you know. And this weird relationship he with goes the kid, to the house. Yeah. He invites, he invites himself. Uh, well, like there's, they kind of establish his family. And the interesting thing about this film is you can tell that the director really thought out everything. Yeah. You know, like every single shot is thought out and could be a painting. You know what I mean? Like, like, like mid Somar. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And it had to have been on purpose the way that these characters spoke to each other. I have a theory about very, that. Very, so do I. Um, very monotone. How was your day, son? It was fine, father. I, I, I decided that I don't want to get a haircut. I think you would look better with, with a haircut, son. You'd look more manly. He doesn't want to have a haircut, dear. <laughs> you know? It was just very monotone and very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, what the fuck, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> but, Scott, what's your problem, man? But no, no, I'm I'm glad we stuck with it. Uh, but moving on, uh, so the the kid seems like it's very confusing, and and he seems to be stalking him, like yeah, going to see him at the hospital. Um, go on. Uh, to his job and and Steven is keeps telling him hey if you want to see each other you got to let me know call me in the hospital so this is my theory still thinking that this is a ramp boy cuz he doesn't want yeah peop- his colleagues to find out who he is or whatever exactly and um from there on he decides that he tells Steven that he's not feeling well correct that's well. That's later on. That's after 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 uh, Stephen decides to invite him to the house, which yes. was weird uh, to his own house to oh. to the um, to Stephen's house. Yeah, Stephen's yes, house with, with, to meet his wife and kids, uh, and it was just and fucking again, weird. Again, the 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 monotone of the conversation was very stoic. It was. Uh, um, oh, it's nice to meet you. I've heard so Martin. much about you. I know you like daffodils, but here's here are flowers. I hope you like them. They're fresh picked. Oh, I made lemonade. Oh, my mother makes the best lemonade. I should bring it over. Oh, you should bring it over. Maybe we can have a competition to we'll see have... which one is the best lemonade out there. That sounds I would like, like that so very much. much. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, at the same time, it's really engaging because yeah. everyone does a really fantastic job. You want to fucking know. And at this point, you're you're not thinking that he's a rent boy because... Um, he's I introducing... Think, yeah, to his family. Yeah. And I think at this point, they've revealed that his father has, has passed away and... Then my my gears are going. He's a surgeon. He used to be drunk. Stephen was a surgeon. He used to be drunk. He had something to do with you know killing his father. Um, and then there's like an odd scene with with the the kids in the room where where he um, he's smoking by the window. Yeah, and he is and, interacting with them. And the daughter asked him like, when did he start smoking? And he's like, oh, just recently it's bad for you. 
and then the kid asks about his his hairs, his yeah. his pubic hairs, like his, Our his underarm, underarm hairs. hairs and chest hairs, and it. I f- and and the daughter is like, I just started menstruating. Out of nowhere, I'm like, I just what? got my period today, and I'm like, oh my god, this is weird. So it feels like in this case, if that he's seeping into the family, yeah. he's cementing himself. From there, we get the invite from his from Martin to go to his house. To meet his mom, for Steven to meet his mom. Because they haven't seen each other. So now we know that this has to deal with something that happened in the hospital. Right. You're, theor- you're theorizing about uh, his father being a patient. Uh, they have dinner. It's after dinner. They see one of his favorite movies, which is Groundhog Day. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep early. I'm tired. Uh, and it's funny because I like to know what TV shows the movie the actors in the movies are watching because they could also be like a reference to the movie in itself which yeah. it is I'll explain that later okay um then halfway through the movie Martin says you know what I'm 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 done I'm gonna I'm I'm sleepy I'm gonna go go to bed early we can finish this movie tomorrow you guys can finish it and yeah. it's this awkward uh, He's basically trying, trying to set set his mom up. Yes, with Stephen, and uh, the mother's full on coming on to him. Played by Alicia Silverstone, which was shocking to both of us. She, she looks fantastic. She's amazing. Her. More, more Alicia. <laughs> Please, <laughs> what? I love her. You, I, okay, I gotta get my cranberry CD from the quad. <laughs> you guys, you guys get that reference. Um, um, yeah, and she starts sucking his finger. He's like, "I have to go." Yeah, because she's, she's like, like, "Let me see your hands." Everyone says you have the most beautiful hands, and he gives him, he gives her his hands, and out of nowhere, she shoves them in her mouth and starts sucking on them, and he leaves. He starts putting his coat on, and she goes and tells him do you want to taste my tart you can't leave without <laughs> tasting my tart and he's like no i have to go <laughs> i have to go i have a family goodbye and he leaves so uh martin in this in this part of the movie has come to the conclusion where he is going to try to set them up but after that night steven starts pulling away he won't go meet him He'll like they start seeing each other less and less, and he's not returning his calls. Yes, and you can tell it's getting to him. Yeah. So, uh, I know we're probably skipping a bunch, but uh, that's when um, the son is like can't get out of bed. He's paralyzed mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Um. So they they take him to the doctor and they do all these tests, and they're like, "Oh, it's so weird. It's neurological and." Um, His mom suggests a cat scan, a pet scan, any mm-hmm. type of scan. Leg scan. A leg scan. Uh, but they couldn't. There was nothing. There was no diagnosis. It's it's pretty one of the coolest uh, or interesting scene in that whole segment was uh, Stephen carrying his son and telling him to walk down the hallway. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his doctor mind is working because he kind of tosses him. In mm-hmm. the floor to see if his son kind of reacts as yeah. like a a defense mechanism to stop himself from falling. Yeah. So he he kind of really just throws him on the floor, 
over and over and over again. And I feel like that was a scene to to tell us viewers that, you know, it's his doctor mind working. Yeah. Uh, it was still disturbing. And to not watch. like a daddy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. The part where they were injecting spine fluid out mm-hmm. to make sure if it's, a, a, like you said, a neurological thing. Uh, at the end, it, it was, or the doctors gave, uh, thought or diagnosed it as a psychosis thing, like yeah. a mental thing. And it went to the point where doctors couldn't do anything. He, well, he, he re- started refusing food as well. Yeah, he started to refuse uh, food. He didn't want to eat. And this is the part where um, basically... They walk in, uh, Stephen and, and, and Nicole Kidman walk in, and there's Martin standing over the bed. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Is, yeah. he, is he poisoning this kid? Yeah. I, um, I thought at that time, I thought that was my thing, that he was poisoning. And Martin, like, tells Stephen, like, you know, I guess away from the wife. I'm, I was a little out of it at this point of the movie, that... Uh, come meet me in the cafeteria. You need to come meet me in the cafeteria. And he like convinces him like up on the 18th floor or whatever of the hospital. Um, so Steven goes and meets him and Steven's like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go see my wife. Make this fast, make this fast. And out of nowhere, Martin's like demeanor changes. He's like, and it's still that same monotone, but it's like, you killed you killed my father now one of someone you love has to die you have to decide who it's going to be uh it's going to start with a paralysis and then it's going to be refusing food uh and then it's going to be bleeding from the eyes and then death and it's going to happen to your son your daughter and your wife unless you choose who's going to die um and i didn't realize well we'll get to that because i was a little avid at that point um and i'm like what the Fuck. He, yeah, he confessed everything to him in like an instant right there. And, and I don't think Steven really dawned on, yeah, that on him. It was the truth. Yeah, because he also thinks that Martin, you know, has mental issues and he's affected by the whole situation. And then you realize that uh, the reason why he set this up is because of his dad. Yeah. And your theory was correct that it was... Um, he was drunk during the surgery. Stephen was drunk during the surgery. The funny thing is that his best friend, which is the anesthe- anesthesiologist, uh, yes. they both said the same thing, but in opposite. When Nicole came in, confronted Stephen, and said, "Hey, like, do you feel like you're at fault be- because of this?" And Stephen says, "If a patient dies on an operation table, you never." It's uh, never the surgeon's fault. It's always an anesthesi- anesthesiologist. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. So she, throughout in the movie, wanted to get more information about the case and what happened. And the only person who knew was his friend, the anesthesiologist. And after a hand job from <laughs> Nicole Kidman, uh, he said that yeah, that it was he was drunk. He had two two drinks, yeah. and that night. We're skipping around uh, a little bit because I think at that point the daughter had come down with the paralysis as well. 
And when his daughter got the paralysis, he went to uh, Martin's house to talk to him. Yeah. And he was very violent and berating and slamming on the door. And no you one know, was answering. No one was answering. And he was threatening them that if, you know, nothing, if he doesn't stop, he's going to kill him and blah, blah, blah. So now his daughter and. And the son are basically in the same hospital room. In the same room. And, and at this point, um, the daughter is fucking. This is the point where I'm starting to catch on to what the movie is, um, because the daughter's infatuated with Martin. Completely, he, he had been taking her out on motorcycle rides, and she he was she was singing to singing to him and weird shit. So he calls her up, and he's like, "I'm right outside the window. If you want to come see me, get up and come over to the window." And all of a sudden. She fucking walks over to the window. So this is where I'm catching on. Or, I don't know. It's never really explained in the movie. It might be saying too much. But if you're listening to this, I hope you've watched it already. And if not, spoiler alert. Whoops. Uh, that it's... Some sort like of persuasion. Persuasion, like power of suggestion, like hypno- hypnosis maybe. Because after that... She's back in the bed and she's saying this weird ass shit that that sounds like almost a spell to her mom, and I'm like, that's what he fucking told them. That's this is what what he said to these kids, and for them to mentally shut down yeah. their bodies, which what the fuck is is this shit? And I'm I'm fucking hooked at this point. I'm like, I Me have too. to know what fucking happens. What Who, the fuck is happening with is this? is he gonna is he gonna end up choosing one of one of his uh, family members to die? Is he, gonna, is he gonna see how long this goes and see if everyone dies? Holy crap! So the doctors send the kids home. Yeah, there's nothing they can do. They ran all the tests that they can possibly can and they kind of uh, set up like a hospice at the at their home um and um yeah and i guess it's off screen um but steven tells everyone basically what's going on with martin and all that other shit yeah Um, and nicole came in decided not to get the police involved that they'll take care of them them themselves i mean who's gonna believe something like that you know no, no one no one's gonna believe that at all um and then um after that they the kids were talking to each other and they were talking about who's gonna die this is this is where i'm like holy fuck this just turned into like borderline dark comedy you know what i mean because they start jockeying like the 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 little boy with with the long hair whose father always wanted to him to get it cut off cut all his fucking hair and he's like oh no i don't want to do what mom did i want to be a a surgeon like you when i grow up you know and shit like that yeah and the reason why was because his sister was telling him that it's going to be him because Mm -hmm. uh no one loves him and all this uh sibling rivalry bullshit so i guess he gets guilty conscience and he gets off his bed and cross to his dad and yeah, when the, the those kids crawling around or, you know, just with dragging their legs, that was fucking morbid. It's like these fucking rich asses couldn't couldn't afford wheelchairs for their for their kids. <laughs> and and he cut his own hair and he goes to his dad and he tells him, look, I cut my hair like you wanted. I'm going to be the best cardiologist out there. Kind of like convincing his dad to not kill him. This is where the whole 
family psychological right? thing happen. What the happening. okay, and 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 the the scene that floored me, and I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Who whoever uh, Yorgos and whoever wrote this this film, he also wrote it. Clearly. Okay, what the fuck? <laughs> it's when uh, Nicole Kidman, the wife, is like. We can always have more kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Have- and, and you would expect the mother to be like, just kill me, save my children. Mm-hmm. And that that scene floored me. We can, we can always, you know, we can always just have more kids. Steven actually went to the school and talked to the principal to talk about who was even academically better. Oh, my God. Who was, like, these are our, And it's our all thoughts. in that same super monotone voice. Yes. Which one do you think is better of uh-huh. my kids? Uh, the principal couldn't decide. Yeah, he's like, I, mean, I can do how, that. How can you do something like that? Yeah, and uh, Stephen kidnaps uh, Martin. Yeah, uh, he had nothing him. else left to do but to kidnap him and put him under his really humongous basement. Uh, that I thought Finished was basement game room, fucking huge. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and ties him up there and starts like. Punching him and basically torturing, torturing him to make him stop. And he shot him in, in the leg. Well, he obviously he told his wife that he was there and he shot him in the leg and and he's he threatened to, to kill him and he's like, If if you kill me now, you might as well just dig four graves because everyone, everyone else is gonna die is gonna as well. Die too. Um This is where I I get into the theory or I think that it's about uh, hip, hypnosis. Well, not really, because the scene where Nicole Kidman is sewing his wound up from the gunshot, and then she starts kissing his feet. So, do you think that's her pleading for him for her life, or that's the hypnosis? Uh, for me, the scene played out as her pleading. And you know? what about the girl crawling down? Because in that same scene, uh, mm-hmm. the daughter walks. Or crawls down from her room to the basement to give the cigarette to Martin to smoke. That's hypnosis. I think, and that was and hypnosis. we'll we'll get into all that because I have a lot of a lot of theories. And that's kind of what jumps in after what we were talking about the kidnapping. Uh, Stephen wakes up to check on the kids. The daughter is missing, and when he goes downstairs to find out uh, and talk to Martin, Martin says she's gone. She left. So Nicole Kidman and Steven is all over the neighborhood talking about who or talking about. They're not talk, it's like three o'clock in the morning. What the <laughs> fuck are they talking to? Uh, looking for her for their daughter when they see their daughter on the grass off to the side. Her knees are completely bruised and bled. And it's, it's a hypnosis, right? In that part? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's call it what it is. They bring them back, uh, and uh, the daughter, as she is being uh, taken care of by Stephen with the knees and and putting her putting her ointment and and healing them up, uh, the daughter actually tells him that she would sacrifice herself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And said that he she won't be angry and that no one's going to be angry and that she will do this and and everything's going to be okay. Uh, and it comes to the to the final conclusion when oh, before that the wife does let let Stephen go. Yes. Because Martin, there was Martin. Martin, excuse me. 
Um, and right, basically, he goes upstairs. He said the kids are are in the living room. I want you, you know, to the wife. I, I want you to come downstairs. Come, you know, come downstairs. And she's like, "Do you want me to wear the, you know, that black dress that you love so much?" He's like, "Wear whatever you want." Mm-hmm. Like just stone cold. Um, so she goes down and, uh, the kid's already tied up and he ties her up to, you know, tie, you know, ties them all up. And then he puts, uh, pillowcases over their heads and duct tape, duct tape and duct tape over their mouths. And, uh, oh my God, this scene was so horrible. So it's basically like a Russian roulette of their, his family in a circle and him in the middle and he has a a shotgun. So he himself covers his face, turns around, cocks the gun, and points and shoots. Yeah, like does does, like turns around in circles a few to times to get dizzy, so he Kinda wouldn't like know Russian roulette. Yeah, he wouldn't know who to hit. So what obviously, the in the movies, fuck? in the movies, there's always a rule of three. And an, another thing, like uh, before we get get to the to big what reveal, happens, yes. yeah, um, about. Nicole Kidman's character, which I'm seeing, didn't have a name. Like, she's credited as the surgeon's wife. What? Unless I'm reading this wrong. Let me let me check. But the 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 scene that that floored me with her being like, we can have more kids type thing, um, was the fact that Steven never like beg the kid if you want blood for blood take me don't take my family take me i'm completely wrong her name was anna <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know google google search i apologize um so steven never like begged martin take me instead an eye for an eye unless unless i was out of it uh no you're right he so, didn't and that, that's himself. something that floored me it was straight to the russian roulette my wife or my two kids are gonna die um so he does his thing fires off a shot and i think it it's just to the left of his daughter he does it again fires off a shot and it's just misses his just wife misses his wife and then, and the, then third the third time, shot rule of three is bob his son who got shot uh, and he he dies. You can t- you can see his little body just a uh, sigh of death. Yeah, um, it was so disturbing because dark. We've talked about how there's not a lot of child violence, child yeah, or child death, death yeah, in movies. And if there is, it's always off off screen. Mm-hmm. So to see this kid like dying on screen was like very off putting to me. Yeah. Um, um, and, and after that, it just goes black uh, to the scene where they're in the co- in the Chinese diner. Yeah, and um, and Martin is there, and Martin they, walks in. Martin walks in there. They all just kind of look at him, and he looks back at them, and it's and just it, like it's, it's it's just the daughter and 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 the parents, and. Um, I was a little out of it. What happens with the, the daughter kept making eyes at him or something? Well, they walk out. It was a slow motion scene. Uh, they all walk out and the daughter is the last one. And he, she turns back and just gives them a very weak smirk. And I'm like, really, bitch? Like, you're going through all this or you yeah. went through all this shit and you still want to tap that crazy psychotic shit? Oh, yeah. Well, he, he she is under his spell. But, okay. The first thing before we get into our theories is 
exactly uh like nothing came of the fact that the son was shot point blank in the chest you know and and murdered like what i i expected the daughter and the mother to be out and Stevens in jail for murdering his son. Like they never explained what happened and they didn't explain a lot. They left it up to our imagination. Maybe they came up with a story that someone, you know, came in and shot him and the mother and and daughter corroborated. I I have a theory and I also read it online that the reason or it's left like that is because number one reason rich white people. Yeah. He just got away with it. He just, and then to see him like, you know, well-respected surgeon, this beautiful family, this gorgeous home, no one is going to ask a lot of questions, you know? And if they huh. do, I'm sure he's really well-connected, you know? Yeah. It's a, you know, it's it's the way the system is in reality. And that was what I read on, on the line was the reason why nothing happened after that. Um, so yeah, Scott was right. This one definitely stuck with me. Yeah, and I I was thinking about it before I went to bed last night. I've been thinking about it all day. You you saw me kind of daydreaming, and you're like, "What are you thinking?" I'm like, "That the movie." movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have like, I have theories galore. I, I think uh, what, what one think? one theory about the hypnosis was when. Martin was telling Steven that he was feeling sick and doing all the tests and stuff like that. And he came out clean and he's like, you know, that part, I felt like that was to spend more time with Martin or to get more into Martin, uh, into Steven. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. But the scene where he's telling Steven to show him his chest hair and his his uh, armpit hair could have been a hypnosis oh, yeah. scene as oh, no, well. Oh, no, no, Because... Why would you show your chest hair to a fucking six-year-old kid at your job? I, I no, that no. Then that that's what I thought as well. My theory is that Stephen never sought this kid out. That this kid tracked Stephen down and has been fucking it with him from the beginning. That he's the one that has been hypnotizing him. That's like that made him buy him a fucking expensive watch. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, that could be too. That's that's how I read it, and Stephen was starting to to pull away, and he and the power that Martin had of it suggestion wasn't working. wasn't working, and it started with the watch. Martin wanted a leather watch, but Stephen thought that a nice watch, metal metal, metal bracelet. Band. Uh, would just be nicer and more expensive, and they made that. And I feel like they made a point of showing us that for a reason that Martin was pulling away, and you know it was hypnosis. Steven it's like Stephen, St- excuse me, Stephen was pulling away. It was a hypnosis. He showed him his chest hair. That was definitely, and the thing that I guess cracked the camel's back was that in Martin's head he was gonna suggest his parent like. Uh, his parents, his mother, and Stephen to get together, but um, you know, come but, over. I can't. I can't this week. No, I want you to come over. And then the next scene, he's at the house. And it probably didn't work because, you know, Stephen probably really loves his wife and his kids, and he's very comfortable with his family. So that part of persuasion didn't work on him. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I, I don't even, I don't think it was just even that. I think he was starting to be able to. 
to like Martin was starting to see that he couldn't suggest everything, and you know, you know what I mean. Um, and so, that's and I think that's what set him off. That's what made him go like once Steven started to cut him off. You know what I mean? W- w- what about? Go ahead. What about your theories for the monotone voices? It's the whole fucking thing's hypnosis. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know about the other characters, but uh, Steven, I mean, Martin did have contact with the anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist as well. Like, every weird fucking thing was because they were under some sort of hypnosis, in my opinion. Like, when uh, they go to that award dinner and... They have a casual com- conversation with the anesthesiologist and his wife, and he's like, "My daughter just started menstruating last week." We're like, "What the fuck? Who 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 talks about that out of nowhere?" You know. So I think that might have been part of the hypnosis, like like that's something Martin wanted to hear, you know, from Stephen. So it was still in his head, like going back, going around in circles, and that's just something he brings out because Nicole Kidman. Uh, Anna did look over, give him a look like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think he was under, like, his, at least his monotone. I don't know, like, that that that's a theory of mine. It doesn't explain why every character was so weirdly monotone from the beginning. I thought that the, that the reason why it was done like that was because the director wanted to portray more of the people's actions rather than their words or their tone of voice. Oh, I like that. Um, so they strip away any type of emotional tone from a voice and just let your action speak. Hence, I guess hypnosis and, and, and is like a subtext or a sub oh, I thing for, for action. Oh, no, I like that. It's an awesome movie. I really I... didn't, think that I was going to like it. <laughs> the first 15 minutes I'm like what the fuck. I'm like this is a and then we Rat started boy movie. <laughs> then we started getting into it and we're like holy shit. So, uh really good suggestion Scott. Thank you so much. Uh how many stars would you give it? I would give it out of um 5 5 out of 5 stars. 4.5 I give it 4.25. I liked it. Awesome. Check it out. So DVDs and music, music news. Some cool music has been released in the past week. So excited. Riz is going to tell you all about that. Well, you know, obviously last Friday or two Fridays ago, Fiona Apple's album came out, which we have listened to several times. But we've discussed that already. You guys are tired of the apples. Um, So uh, Friday, which I believe was the 24th, April 24th. Uh, three of my favorite artists released n- brand new songs from upcoming albums. Uh, Evanescence released the first single from uh, their first original album in 10 years uh, called Wasted on You. Uh, the Killers released, that's not the correct title, uh, a new song from Bone in Fire or Fire and Bone. Fire and Bone called yeah. Fire and Bone, which is. Uh, the second song from their upcoming album, which unfortunately has been pushed back as well. It was originally going to come out, I believe, May 24th. And it, you know, they don't have a, a new release date. And 
uh, Alanis released the third song from her upcoming album, which I've mentioned before has been pushed back to, we're hoping September, rumors are September, um, called Diagnosis. Um, I, you know, having all this coming out at the same time is kind of, like, amazing for me. Uh, I don't know. I, I basically went on, on the internet and I put them all on a playlist and I listened to them, like, three times in a row. Uh, what uh, what did you think? I really wasn't a big fan of Evanescence when they started out. Um, but out of the three of them, I really liked their single "Wasted on You." I liked the message. I liked the the song, the melodies, and I mean, she's a pretty solid singer. That you know. Uh, oh yeah, and uh. For me, I think it's a fantastic single, a uh, fantastic first single. Um, Alanis Morissette's diagnosis is really good too. I like I like her her album where, or especially in this song where she kind of talks about like, "This is me. I don't care what like you guys think. Uh, say what you want. You know." If and it, that's, has, it has to do with, uh, I believe, postpartum per, uh, depression. It has. It actually has to do with postpartum depression. Mm, okay. Um, and you know how people react to her and um, the medication that she takes. It's a very deep song, and it does. And it's it's a nice ballad. I don't know if it's considered a single uh, right now because these days they'll just release like a heat heat seek heat seeking song. And since there isn't a, a single What's art. That? Like, um, that's not necessarily a single, like, with a music video and everything. It's just to, to keep fans and everyone interested or keep your keep keep you in the news. Oh, okay. So, like, I think I mentioned when we uh, reviewed The Idler Wheel by Fiona Apple that Werewolf was released as, like, a heat, as a quote-unquote heat-seeking song, but it wasn't a single. But fans consider it, like, a promotional single, which I don't know. Um, and no offense to the Killers, kind of sounds like your typical Killers song. I like the Killers, so I like the song, but it's they, they're they're, and it's funny because they have a song that's called "The Rut," or that might be Brandon Flowers' uh, solo. Solo. They're they're in a bit of a rut, and it and honestly, it happens to every artist when you have a, a certain sound. Um, I love the Killers, and I do like this song a lot, but it's. The killers, and you know it's the killers. It's nothing really special, and I like I like caution as well. So it was it was interesting. Evanescence had the first, you know, her first song from the new album. Killers had the second. Atlantis had the third, all in one day. Um, and in that order, Evanescence wasted on you. Atlantis diagnosis and born, uh, uh, bone, bone in fire, fire by the killers. By the killers. Those are my, are my orders as well. Only I look at that lady and that little boy walking the dog, and they are not wearing masks. That's all right. But it's okay. They're social distancing. No one's around, though. Is that the next door dog? What's been barking at our dogs and no, keeping them no. um, driving me crazy no, while I'm trying to work out? No, that one's a little rat terrier. Oh. Okay. The one next door is like a, a teacup, uh, teacup dog. Cute. So... Yeah, Evanescence literally just announced that they're going to be rele- releasing the album. There's no release date yet. Um, Alanis is, and the Killers are pushed back. 
you know, indefinitely at this point, I'm assuming when this virus is over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so new music this week. May 1st would have been Alanis Morissette's day, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so uh, JoJo, who I now know from The Masked Singer, has an album. JoJo Siwa. I'm assuming, well, it just says JoJo. Or is it JoJo the other singer? singer uh, what's her name? Well, it's JoJo, but she she came. She was like a a singer that came out like in the early early ox. She's the one who sang that song. Leave out, get out, something like that. Whatever. No, it's JoJo the singer. Oh, <laughs> it's her. Yeah, JoJo the singer, not JoJo Siwa. Whoa, my bad. What else? Um, uh, Kenny Chesney has a new album called Here and Now. A uh, new movies coming out on dvd this week new movies and tv uh guns akimo with daniel radcliffe is out the assistant is out and the rhythm section is out on blu-ray and or dvd wow um a lot of movies and a lot that i have not heard of or i care about but that's okay. It's okay. Six degrees of separation. Yay. And again, uh, you did tell me earlier, so I've had this entire time to, to think about it. It's going to be Kevin Costner and Tobey Maguire. Okay. Uh, Kevin Costner was in Dances with the Wolves with Mary McDonald. Mary McDonald or Mary McConnell? Uh, who was in... Uh, Donnie Darko with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal was in Spider-Man Far From Home, which featured a surprise cameo from J.K. Simmons playing the same character Ah. that he played in the original Spider-Man trilogy uh, with Tobey Maguire. And there you have it. That was pretty good. Thank you. Pretty, pretty good. And uh, the fact of the week is the funny creature in Ice Age is a scrat, which is a combined characteristics of squirrel and a rat. And the voice of the scrat is actually the movie's director, Chris Wedge. <laughs> I love that. And that's the fact of the week, and you can do whatever you want with it because it's not mine. It's extinct like the scrat. <laughs> We've come to the end of this episode, and we thank you for continuing to press play for us, and we love that you listen to us and we love talking to you we love we also love that you don't forget to subscribe to our podcast (laughs) wherever you love to listen to podcasts uh don't forget to send us a little love it's not even valentine's day what's my issue on instagram at press play ar that's press play ar (laughs) on instagram this has been a great episode of press play with augie and riz i'm augie hey and i'm riz thanks Thanks for for listening. listening